All this week on 10 Minute Food Truck Training, we are talking about events. How to analyze an event, how to know if there's some profit to be made, how to order food and supplies for the event, and then how to handle the crush of people and what to do if the event is just absolutely dead. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, my name is Bill Moore, founder of FoodTruckTraining.Group, and welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. And today we're going to answer the question, what is an event? An event is a vending opportunity that takes place in a large area that's usually sponsored either by the city or some businesses, and is designed to celebrate or showcase some aspect of local or business life. For our purposes, there are two different types of events. There's a food-focused event and entertainment-focused events. Food-focused events are like food truck rallies, chili cook-offs, barbecue competitions, that type of thing, where they may have some entertainment, but the focus is on food. People go there to eat, to sample new foods. The other kind of event are entertainment-focused, where there's going to be music and rides and concerts and shopping and demonstrations and crafts and all kinds of neat things to do, petting zoos, that type of thing. The food is secondary. People go there to do things. We're going to focus on the entertainment events. Food events are easy. If it says 10,000 people are going to be there and 10,000 people show up, you know all 10,000 of them are going to eat. On entertainment events, we got to do a little bit of math. So we're going to talk about that this week. Every state and many counties have large events. And they'll last from a weekend to a couple of weeks to maybe even the full month. The most important thing I want you to learn this week is the draw in these events is not a food vendor. The draw is the entertainment and whatever else they're doing at the event. People go there to do things. Eating is just something they have to do while they're there. And some people will schedule their day to not eat at events. So that's where we got to kind of figure out how many people will eat. What's a reasonable amount? also want you to understand that a lot of food vendors look at events as a money grab. They don't try to operate safe or sanitary or even care about their guests in any way, shape, or form. All they want to do is get them in, get them out. And these poor vendors, they don't even try to build repeat business. They're gambling that they're only going to see you once a year and that you'll have forgotten from year to year how bad it was last year. The poor vendors that do this one and done kind of service are also the same ones that will brag on their social media how long their lines were. People stand around and wait for my food because it's awesome. But they don't realize that they're not standing around waiting on your food because it's awesome. They're standing around waiting on your food because you're slow and you're as slow as everybody else. They already got in your line. They've already wasted 20 minutes of their time. They need to wait. If you've ever gone to Walt Disney World in July, you know how long lines can get waiting on food. And Walt Disney World knows everybody that comes in the park is going to eat at least one meal there. So they have food places scattered all around the park. And yet, no matter which one you go to, the lines will be 30, 40, 60, 80, 100 people deep. And Disney knows what they're doing. I can guarantee you that no one waiting in those lines gets on their social media and posts how awesome the food is. Because we had to wait for it 20 minutes or 30 minutes before we even got up to order. People don't stand in line 
to wait on awesome food. It just doesn't happen when you're at an event. They stand in the line because they need to eat. Will some vendors be busier than others? Absolutely. Think about an event from the promoter side of it and also from the non-food vendors. Every single person that's standing in a long line waiting on food is not doing something that the promoters and the other people want them to do and that's spend money. They want you to come here and have a good time and spend a whole bunch of money. If you're standing in line waiting on food, they're not spending money. The attendees came to the event not for food. They came to ride rides and listen to music and win some big stuffed animal and then see the ex excitement and the smiles on their children's faces when they do something neat that they don't do every other day of the week. They eat every day of the week. They may even eat out every day of the week. They're not there for food. They're there to do things. So that promoter's going to look around and go, look at these long lines. I need to bring in more food vendors next year. So these lines are shorter so that people can get back out and spend more money. So then next year, the same vendors that screwed everything up this year by being so slow are whining about this event's not as good as it used to be and the reason it's not as good as it used to be is because the promoter got smart and added on more food vendors to keep the lines short to keep the lines moving so that people can go spend money and do things so why should you consider event an event in the first place Events both large and small increase your profitability. Last week I told you that having a daily setup location is your stability. That pays your bills and gives you practice to do the big events. So if you're setting up two or three days a week and then every month you go to a big event, those daily setups helps you to get better with your speed of service, helps you to understand how your food cooks, and get really good at delivering high volume food when you have the chance to deliver food in high volumes. Those daily setups help to pay for the event coming up. Most events will have some type of entry fee and they can be expensive. I teach people how to make money no matter what the entry fee is. There are people that go to events that cost several thousand dollars just to get in and you can make money on those. You can't just look at an admission fee and go, oh, it's too much, because there will be somebody that'll fill your place. No questions asked and they'll make money because they understand math and they understand how to handle crowd. If you're freaked out by a $1,000 entry fee, you need to do more daily setups and get really, really good. So that $1,000 entry fee is like, eh, big deal. So last week I talked about a home run location where you make a whole bunch of money. You need to think about an event as being a home run hitter in your lineup of vending. Large events are like having Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth in your vending lineup, and they're going to hit a home run every time they get up to bat. That welcome spike to your bank account is going to be awesome. However, again, as I said, events can be quite pricey, so you need to be thinking ahead to set aside that kind of money to get into the event. And you also need to be practicing to get really good at delivering your food. Otherwise, that event's going to be an operational nightmare, and it does happen. That's why lines get to be so long, is because the people that are trying to sell the food don't understand how to work as a team and cohesively move a line. And it does take practice. There is actually a talent to it. A lot of people think food trucks are simple, and they are if you know what you're doing, but you can make them extremely difficult. So when you're looking at an event, whether it's a large event or a small event, they have similar characteristics, making evaluation fairly easy. The key is to look at them objectively and not just assume they will all be money, big money makers. First thing you got to know is the attendance, and how is that number determined? Do they sell tickets or do they just guess? If the event we talked about earlier, that 33,000 people per day, will the space that the event is being held in actually hold 33,000 people? 
Again, use Disney World as, a, as an example. That's a 107-acre park, the Magic Kingdom is, 107 acres. And they have a capacity of between 60,000 people to 100,000 people per day in the Magic Kingdom in July. So look at their overhead on Google Maps, see how big 107 acres really, really is, and then compare that to where you're going to be vending. Could they even physically hold that many people there? And remember, the Magic Kingdom has lots of stadiums and other areas where they'll hold 1,500 to 2,000 people at one time. So think about the volume of people. Do they have space to mill around and set up the games and, and other rides and stuff that take up a lot of physical space? Is there still room left for 33,000 people to even show up and feel comfortable? Now, the next most important number, and this is going to be more important actually than the number of people attending, and this is a number you can get a firm count on, and that's how many food vendors will be in attendance. And then you need to ask a couple other questions of the promoters, like, is there food exclusivity, meaning that there can only be one hamburger seller or only two hamburger sellers and no one else can sell hamburgers, or that PepsiCo is sponsoring the event and you can only sell Pepsi products. So you can't bring in Coke, you can't bring in your own homemade tea or lemonade, you have to sell their products. It could be Lay's Potato Chips is sponsoring it and will only allow you to sell Lay's Potato Chips. You need to know those kind of things to make sure it makes sense for what you're going to be doing for what you're going to be selling at that event. And then sometimes not only will they limit you on the brand, but they'll make you buy from them and they'll set the price for you. So Pepsi is really bad about doing this. They'll sponsor an event. They will sell you the product and it won't be as cheap as you could get it somewhere else. And then they'll tell you you can only sell it for $1.52 or whatever. So that could be a price reduction from your typical menu, or it could actually be a price increase that you're not accustomed to. So either way, that throws your whole menu out of kilter as far as if you have things based on, well, Coke costs this or a soda costs this amount on my menu, so that means my burger or my main item should cost this much more. So if they have increased the prices, then you'd have to increase your prices uh, as well to make the menu make sense. So there's a little bit of thought that has to go into it. So we talked about a 100,000 person event yielding us 33,000 people a day. So if we use an example of 20 food vendors in attendance, people that will be selling some type of food, doesn't matter whether it's your kind of food or not, it's just they're selling something people will consume, which satiates their appetite, meaning they won't be eating again for a while. So yes, Somebody selling a hamburger is directly competing with somebody selling funnel cakes. Even though they're two completely different products, the fact is they're eating a funnel cake, they won't want a hamburger right away. And they may not want a hamburger at all, they may go somewhere else after the event's over. So food is food as far as we're concerned in these, these type of events. So we're going to do our math. We have 100,000 people attending an event. We have 20 vendors. That means every vendor will get a fair share of 5,000 guests. Okay. If the event is held Friday night, Saturday, and then part of the day Sunday, let's say there's 27 total hours. So you take that 5,000 fair guest count, split it by 27 hours. That means your business would have to serve 185 people an hour. It's pretty awesome, right? Well, crowds don't quite work that way. People, well, crowds don't quite work that way. And not everybody in attendance is going to eat. Most experienced vendors will have their sweet spot number. I've seen it go as low as 10%, and I've seen it be as high as about a third of the people eating. So again, it's your sweet spot based on your menu, based on your experience. But for our purposes, we're just going to say 22%. We're going to just split that difference. 
So 22% of the people potentially are going to eat. And that number could actually go higher if it's a really popular long event, especially on Saturday to where they might eat twice. So just remember, everything's guesswork until you got some history to look at of your very own. So we're going to take this 22% and use it for our examples. So when you take that 22% number and figure it into that 185 people an hour, now we're down to roughly 40 to 61 people an hour. Now we're getting to numbers we can actually handle and we can actually manage 40 to 60 orders an hour. What you got to ask yourself, is that realistic for what your business currently does? If you and your team can provide speed of service, averaging one minute from greeting until the order is presented, so in the whole time the cashier is taking the order and making the change, just the selling and doing all the things the cashier should be doing, the cooks are pouncing on that order and making it off of hearing the guests say it. So by the time the cashier says, thank you very much, you can pick your order up right there. When they go to right there, wherever right there is, the food is already there waiting because the staff has built the food as it was being ordered. So that means in that one minute, taking an order and produce the food, which would be awesome, but we'll just say that's what happens. So that means that the fastest, the most orders you could take would be 60 an hour. So when we did our little bit of math a second ago, we had 40 to 61 people. We just said we can serve 60 people an hour. So obviously the numbers match up. We can be reasonably assured that if 40 to 61 people show up, we can actually handle 40 to 61 people as far as getting the food out in a timely manner. So our lines don't develop and be two and three hour long waits. If you run a complex operation with multiple cashiers and, and cooks to support each cashier, your food serve, your speed of service rather can get very, very quick. But you have to practice on those daily setups. That's how you know how fast you are. Why having daily locations makes sense. And I call it practice for the big events because you'll know how fast your team really is. So tomorrow we're going to get into verifying the potential attendance and the honesty of the promoters. If you're enjoying our chats, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking the support button. Every little bit does help. Or if you'd rather just make a one-time donation, I've got a link in the description for that too. If you need more information or just like the camaraderie of like-minded positive people, join our group on Facebook. It's called Food Truck Training, and the link will be in the description for that as well. Thank you guys so much for listening, and stay profitable, my friends.